You are listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 56. Welcome back to where we chat with a different entrepreneur every week, from app developers, sales experts, and coaches, to authors and social media influencers. We focus on their journeys, how they built their businesses, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Together, we confirm that there is no formula to success. I want to thank all the listeners that have been supporting the No Formula podcast. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts to let me know what you think about the interviews and don't forget to subscribe. As a marketing strategist for 12 years and the author of Win the Hour, Win the Day, Chris Ward helps entrepreneurs get things done as opposed to just keeping busy. The book reveals her top strategies on how to make sure your business is supporting your life and not the other way around. Chris knows firsthand what it's like to be consumed by tasks and always feeling overwhelmed. So in this episode, we discuss how she changed that. She tells us how to make your processes more efficient and the importance of establishing a routine when discipline is not working for you. Visit winthehourwintheday.com slash outsourcing hyphen playbook for Chris's new course on how entrepreneurs can outsource work. In the meantime, keep listening to find out why Chris doesn't think anyone should have a to-do list. Hello, Chris. Thank you so much for being on the No Formula podcast. How are you today? Oh, I'm great. I'm excited to be here. I know. I'm super excited to get into your story and I want to dive in for the listeners because we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. So let's start with how you got into entrepreneurship. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's way back. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I think it was always in me. I just didn't know what it was. So I did have a job and a career and stuff like that. But when I was babysitting when I was 13, I took that seriously. Like I, like I was running a country. Like I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had packages and we purchased from packages and I had all kinds of incentives and I wouldn't eat the chips they left behind me because I thought that's overhead. I wanted to make sure that I was their best service and cost and everything, right? So I think it was just something that you're you're just born this way. That's what I think. So what was your first entrepreneur venture? Um, Well, I guess I would go back and I didn't realize it at the time. It was babysitting, but Hmm. uh, I would, so I didn't do the lemonade stand. I went to full on production and charged extra multiple children in different ratios. My mother tells a story frequently because I was a rather intense child and very focused. And, you know, I, I was at a situation where it was like a school dance. I was in grade nine. It was a big deal. It was this big dance. And somebody came down from the neighbors two doors down and they had family that just landed and it was a surprise and they all wanted to go out. They wanted a babysitter and I was dressed to go to the dance. And there's only two that year, right? It was big, big to do. Mm-hmm. And my mom said to me, which she said, most parents do not have to have this ch- talk with their child. She said that money will be gone in three months, but you will have this memory. And she wanted me to go to the dance, but I picked the babysitting. However, I did charge them extra for short-term notice and extra children. So I did make a lot of money that night, even though my mother disagreed with it. So I was strategic about it. So that's kind of where, that's the kind of brain I had. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you regret not going to the dance? No, I think when my mother still tells that story, I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you know how much extra money I made that night? And even though I don't even know how much it is anymore, I'm like, it might've been, I don't know, 10 bucks, right? Yeah. But I charged them short-term notice, emergency situation, and they had extra mm-hmm. children. So I, I bulked that up and said, take it or leave it. And they took it. So yeah, 
I, I think I have a good idea that you never had a problem with pricing your offers, your services. I don't know if that's true. I think in the beginning, every entrepreneur, what happens is you still, no matter how confident you are, you are so interested in proving yourself and stuff. So there were times where if I saw somebody waffling, I might drop the price of it because I wanted to show them like, this is it. In fact, I felt I knew better for them. Like you need this. And what I had to learn is they need to want it. So even if I was the best solution for them, dropping the price to help them out was not where we were going to meet in the middle. It wasn't a good plan. So we still come around pricing sometimes for different reasons. You view mm-hmm. the problem from different angles. So it wasn't that, I, I, you're right. Pricing, being confident and asking for a good dollar for a good service was not my issue. But sometimes I got suckered into people's needs and tried to help them or rescue them. And that wasn't a, a solution. Yeah, yeah, that's probably not the best thing. Yeah. You want to try to help everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at one point, did you start Shadow Shadow Blast? No. Well, Shadow Blast, yeah. That, so Shadow Blast evolved into Win the Hour, Win the Day. So I was a marketing strategist and I was Shadow Blast was about 12 years ago, but it's really got morphed by Win the Hour, Win the Day. So we kind of don't refer to it anymore. We're turning it mm-hmm. into everything is a Win the Hour, Win the Day platform. So we have the podcast and now we're turning Shadow Blast into Win the Hour, Win the Day marketing because it's just got to be all in one umbrella. So I've been a marketing strategist for 12 years. And it is my experience as a marketing strategist that created this book, Win the Hour, Win the Day, based on sort of my journey when I was pulled away from my business. So it's really all more from there. So yeah, I've been an entrepreneur, full-time entrepreneur for over 12 years. That's awesome. And I know it's been quite a journey because I read your book Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of valuable lessons in this book. And I want to touch on them for our audience. And I just want to start with, you say that business should support your life, not consume it. It should be fun. And I feel like there's a really good lesson behind that. Can you tell us about that? I think it's so important because listen, I did that in the beginning myself as well. I was working the insane hours, right? And one night I realized, oh my gosh, there are laws in the land. Like people fought and died to protect labor laws. And here I was when the government has laws. Like if somebody made me work that hard, I'd be like, you can't do this. This is nuts. I'm not getting up at five and working to two o'clock in the morning. Like you are insane. And there I was doing it to myself. So there's an endless stories of fires and situations and things. I almost electrocuted myself because I was in such a rush. And, and so luckily I turned all that around and I turned all that around and, you know, start went from 16 hour days down to six because I started to really feverishly examine productivity and team building. And, and just like, this can't be, this can't be what I left a job for. This is not a long-term solution. And, uh, you know, my husband was my biggest fan. And then, you know, I was spending less and less time with him and everybody was always in a state because I was always rushed. So, so I just thought there has to be another way. And there was, and, and, you know, luckily I found that because probably what you're alluding to is it was a couple of years after that, my husband had been diagnosed with colon cancer. So I was pulled away from the business. And when I returned to the business after his passing, it not only had survived, but it was still thriving. And and it was really important because had I returned and, you know, didn't have a company, it, that was not the time for me to craft a resume, start looking for a job and try to learn, you know, a new job, like, and be charming in an interview. That was just not going to be a solid plan for me at that point. So it really saved me. And people, my existing marketing clients had no idea of my absence at all. 
And they were shocked when it came out about my husband's passing. The business community that I was part of didn't know anything about this. And so people started to approach me and ask me, you know, and me having an appreciation for the fragility of life and how fragile it is, they started saying like, oh my gosh, like, how did you do this? So I started working my existing marketing clients under the capacity of team building and productivity and stuff like that. And they started to see really big results and they started to get those projects and ideas to, you know, implementation and get their ambitions come alive. And, and it really changed everything. And they, you know, stopped working day and night. They got evenings and weekends off and, and I decided I want to help more people and I want to really create a movement because business should be fun or why, why, why are we doing this? I think that's a super important lesson because people think that once you start entrepreneurship, it's all about the hustle Yeah, you have to go, no, no. go, go, go. And it's not about that. And I'm, I'm super sorry about your husband. Um, but on the flip side, I'm also glad that your business was able to survive and I was wondering, is it because of the systems that you implemented? Yeah, a hundred percent. First of all, you are so right. That hustle thing, that is the biggest entrepreneurial lie there ever was. Like that is old school. And it's just, you know, it's just giving this false sense of, oh, it's not your time or you have to work harder or once you catch up and you're isolated and you're by yourself. So you buy into that, like, okay, right. Cause you see these things online. You're like, oh, okay, how they're doing it. But listen, I'll tell you. The systems really are the fallout from having what I call a win team, what, what I call a win, W-I-N, what is next team. So you can get to what is next, what is next. And, and it's not just like, oh, well, maybe you have a VA, but it's creating a strategy so that you have a system because system really saves yourself time, energy, and money, right? As, as, yeah, saves your, system save yourself time, energy, and money. Yeah, that's it. And what I want people to understand is without that, you're always reacting and you're always trying to catch up and you're stressed and you're spinning all these plates at once. But what happens is when I work with people, whether it's through our outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs, which is going, is we got a huge Black Friday special, like huge. So you want to check it out at www.comingsoonfromchris.com. Now, when we talk about that with the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs, what it's about is really not just hiring and onboarding somebody very affordable. So let's say you need assistance and you get, you know, a couple hours a week and, and all of a sudden you're just parting with 15 bucks and you get all of Friday afternoon back and stuff like that. But it's the creating the system that not just makes your work more efficient and then also something that you can hand over to somebody else, but somebody working with you, it makes them more and more and more efficient. So for myself or any of my clients or the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs, uh, students, what happens is anyone that's on their team, even if it's somebody that works with them four hours a week, they become more and more efficient because the systems allow you to do so. And, and then you're not reacting and chasing work. You're just like, oh, we do that in less and less time. So that is, that's a backbone to any success story whatsoever, especially entrepreneurship. It's systems. And it doesn't sound sexy, but it really is. Uh, we call them toolkits, but it, it really is about the system. Can you give us uh, an example of how you've optimized a system that allowed you and your team to be more efficient? Okay. You know what? It can be something so simple. So it, it was, let, let me tie two stories into one. The first outsourcer I hired was like, okay, I was a marketing strategist and this was like, you know, a good 10 years ago. And I was still going out to physical meetings, sitting down, taking notes. And when you're doing marketing, it's very custom. Like everybody's got different needs and a different story and they want to message it. 
So what would happen is I would leave the office and, so, and then I'm sorry, I would leave the meeting, head back to the office. And I would promise hand to God that when I got back there, I would write my notes right into the computer, into the client's file. Well, as most weeks happen, if I was lucky, I started to think, oh, Friday afternoon, I better get these notes in. Because these notes were meant for like 20 minutes, right? Not for four days or something. But more often than not, it was like the next Friday where I panicked and said, I got to get these notes in. So often people would call me and I got the opportunity to be one of two people. One, you could hear the stress in my voice when I pulled together the notes going, oh yeah, if they called and asked questions, oh yeah, hold on. And I'm trying to figure out these notes that were written on my lap that were like, mm -hmm. you know, two weeks old. Or I might misquote them because these notes are meant for 20 minutes. And I, then I looked like I was trying to swindle them when in fact it's like, no, I just have bad notes, right? So I thought enough is enough. Like I can't live like this anymore. And it was just so stressful and you know, missing opportunities. And so at the time I hired a transcriptionist. Now you don't even need to hire a transcriptionist anymore because there's so many softwares that can do it for 10 cents a minute. It's crazy. But what I did is I hired somebody and God help her, I don't understand this, but this is what she loved to do. And she had 10 clients and she only did this. So I would leave the meeting in the driveway. You know, I would talk into my phone and I would dictate just whatever the notes, four or five words I had on my page. And I would give all the details. She would within 24 hours, put them right into the client's files. Now, because this is all she did and she was very good at it. She, some weeks I had three or four hours of meetings like to give to her. And some weeks I had none, but the weeks I had a lot cost me like 12 bucks. So we just created a system where, okay, I leave the meeting, check, I do a transcription, check. And it, it was just like a four part step that I did every time. And I just followed it, made sure I hit keywords. I told her the what, when, where, why, who, and I had four questions to answer, gave them to her consistently. It's a very basic system. So everybody thinks system is very complicated, like landing a plane, but all it means is look, if somebody hands someone uh, an organ, you know, at FedEx and says, get this to a Chicago hospital, they don't say you've got the address, right? Like that's not how it goes. And we all know we can all accredit that McDonald's does not serve the best hamburgers on planet earth, but it is one of the biggest companies in the world because they run off systems. So it's just repeating actions without having to think or wait till they become problems. So really systems, we could do, we could do a Friday five week series on just that. And I could tell you, I would make it far more interesting than most people think it is. I think it's very interesting because one, one part of your book, you wrote this and you actually, it was on a couple of pages, but I'm just going to read one line. And you said, if your steps aren't broken down, you don't know where your efficiencies are. Mm -hmm. And I love that because we don't realize that maybe just getting your notes into your system might seem super simple, but you were able to break it down. You were able to outsource it on one and just make the whole system, even though it's not landing a plane, it's still a system and make it very efficient. It always sounds much smarter when somebody reads my book back to me and like, oh, that sounded good. <laughs> like I must write that down, right? I'm like, oh, when you read it with your slow, soothing voice, I'm like, that sounded good. Okay. So, you know, here's an example. There's always a way to do it quicker, easier, faster. And that's what we're all about. Again, it's not just about dumping work off my desk and giving it to somebody who, you know, works for me. They work with me and we want everyone to become a team. So we're all in this boat together. We want to row faster and faster, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, again, we've got the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs, big, huge Black Friday special. So I said to my social media, you know, uh, expert, I said to her, okay, you know what? The crunch is on. We've got a few days left. 
I want you to go in what I call uh, engagement stuffing. And because I'm busy, I'm doing interviews, I'm doing all this other stuff. So she goes into social media and goes into all my different groups and my different pages. And she will look at anything. I gave her a list of things to look for. What if somebody says, hey, what's something you can talk about for 20 minutes without preparation? What are you working on now? What are you celebrating? What's exciting happening in your life? Anything that I could stuff my answer into about the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs. So now she comes back to me with a list and links and says, hey, I've combed social media. Here's 25 links of different platforms. You just have to pop into the link and then you can answer. Now, we will take that an extra step. Once I start answering that a few times, you'll realize many of the answers are very similar. I'm going to talk about the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs, how it's about getting, making your ideas to implementation, and I'll say one or two lines. Then I will say, oh, well, let me just put this in Google Docs. So now I'm often copying and pasting just with my finger on my phone and just adding that into the answers. So even though it's my answers and I'm creating them or if somebody asks a different question, I'm like, oh, that's good. I'll make a new answer. And then I just keep it as a resource. So I'm doing it really every day I do it. I'm making it faster, easier, stronger. And then if somebody asks me a new question or I find a question, I think, oh, I can give this some thought. Then my focus is on creating a yet a better, even better answer than I have versus just typing it all out and having to find these things myself. So there's just simple, simple, simple things you can do every day to just take hours. Like my clients say, they usually say within the first month, they get 25 hours a week back. So that's how we do it with these really simple strategies. 25 weeks back. No, in the first month, they get 25 hours a week back. That's a lot. Yes, it is because people are, we live in a copy and paste world and most people don't realize that there is a lot of pre and post work that is very redundant. No matter what you do, you could be a brain surgeon, no matter what you do. We had one client and she was an interior designer and she's like, Chris, listen, you don't understand. My business is different. Everyone says that. Okay. I go in, I look at the room. I have to figure it out. You can't, you know, you can't systematize that. Well, let's sit down and take a look at that. So all of a sudden we figured out that her average appointment was about almost two hours, but there was some pre and prep work. So we systematized that so it was done ahead of time and done after, and then all of a sudden she's going in and out in about 45 minutes, which started to give her all these afternoons off, and she started doing speaking engagements and wrote a book, and she's doing all these other things now, which she argued it can't be done, but there was pre and post work that's not related to her talent as a designer. So there's always something you can make more efficient and so that you can move on to the next thing. Okay. Whoa. Let's, let's dive deeper into this because I think a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, they're always in meetings. There's always yeah. prep work. There's always post work. So can you give us an example of how you can make that more efficient so that everybody can benefit from it? Well, everybody can benefit from anything. So what I would say to you is, you know, what is the meeting for? So to give me a general topic like meeting is like, okay, if you're, so, so like, what is it that's resonating with you with the interior design that you're saying, like just meeting so that I, my days don't get eaten up by meetings? Yes. Because uh, like, let's say sales calls. Yeah. Okay. People can have, people can have 10 of them in one day. Right. How do you make that more efficient? Okay. That's a great question. So 
what I would say to you is twofold. One is we were dealing with uh, one of our clients. She is a podcast management company. So when I started working with her a couple months ago, she said uh, she hadn't had a day off since last Christmas. It was nuts. And now she said, oh my gosh, I get evenings, weekends off and a couple of, she took a couple long weekends off, took Fridays off. So in her case, she had all these meetings that people knew on board, getting a podcast, especially in the beginning. They're really kind of sensitive and worried about presenting to the world and stuff. And I was like, whoa, 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 we need to look at this. So I said, if you're onboarding like three or four people a week, let's do them in a group call and let's sell it as a community. Like now you're part of a community and let you interact with other people that are new. So there's always a way to leverage your time. If you're doing 10 sales calls a day, then I would take a step back as a marketing strategist and ask you a couple of questions. One, are they pre-qualified? What's your sales ratio? So if you're doing 10 sales calls a day and you're only making two sales, then we need to look at pre-qualifying your sales so you're not doing as many calls and it's more efficient. If you're at a point you know, where you're like, okay, are they reaching out to you or are you reaching out to them, right? Do you want to make it purposeful? If they're reaching out to you and you've got something like, you know what, you've got a little bit of a reputation, you might send them a video ahead of time saying, we're looking forward to your call. Here's some frequently asked questions we get. Here is the answer to those in a two minute video, just so that we save time during the call. You don't tell them that, but whatever, right? So there's all kinds of things you could do for pre and post that really, really like, like how we met. I believe I sent you a video to be on your podcast. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So I will tell you, I have a list. I listen to shows. I'll say, Oh, this is a good show. I could have a conversation with her. And I create a list once a month. I do a, a, a batch work and I go through that and I make videos for the people show. I think that we'd have a good time having a conversation. So that goes out once a month and I reach out to that and I have a process for that. So it's just systematizing. And so you're not stopping what you're doing, turn left to right looking. There's always a way to make the steps and also not just make them more efficient and cleaner, but then to build on your success. Oh, people love that. Okay, let's make sure we always do that. Oh, nobody's responding to this. Let's take that out, right? So you can't improve upon what you don't measure. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's part of your leverage, replicate measure. Yes, yes. So we yes. spoke about leveraging. We spoke about replicating the process. Now, how do you measure it? Is that the feedback that you get? Well, everything could be measured. It depends what you're measuring. So one of, you know, it, it really can be looked at. Like if you said, I'm doing 10 sales calls a day, then I'd say, okay, well, let's look at how many sales you're acquiring. Because mm -hmm. if not, then maybe we need to say, well, you've got two out of that. Maybe we need to pre-qualify them differently. Or maybe we need five of them to be networking calls. Like, oh, let's have a virtual coffee. And then once you have a better relationship, step one, then you can turn that into a sales call. So there might be some pre-qualifying language of you know, different things we're looking for before we give up a spot on our calendar. So anything that you measure, anything that you do, whether it's social media, I mean, we even have a spreadsheet that, you know, uh, Kazel, my, my social media uh, member, team member, she, uh, once a week, we sit down, we look at the stats of what posted better. And here's another thing. We will even take a video and change the title of it and repost it later to see which title did better. And if they're close, it's not a big deal. But if there's a big gap, we're like, oh, that's important. So then what happens is I might look at that and come back later when I'm doing email and go to my top 10 posts and look at the titles and borrow one of the titles for an email. So it's just recycling, repurposing. But, we, but these things are all based on measurements. 
And you can't measure if you're running around with your head, you know, there's got to be a nicer saying than chicken with his head cut off. So we, we have to come up with a new one, people. Yeah. But you you can't be measuring stuff if you're always in what I called hysterical mode. Like when I was like hysterical Chris, always reacting. There was no measuring. It was just like, I'll do that later. I'll get this now. Or, or wait till things become a crisis or a rotating cycle of different crises, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have strategies in play, if you have a team you know, and a team could be one person or two people or students. We have students that work for us for free from the school. They want work, ex you know, exposure and experience. So a team is not about hiring somebody full time and thinking, oh my gosh, I can't afford that. As I explained to you, I spent 12 bucks and that really got me all of Friday afternoon off. So, but you have to have, you know, a, some support in order to record things and to make them more efficient as you move forward. And I like that you take the time to measure everything because it's, especially in marketing, it's so easy to lose track of all the posts that you're putting out, all the blogs, all the initiatives that you're working on. And I love how you're just using spreadsheets. Like everybody can do that. Oh, some of the, the most powerful tools in the world are free. And that's the thing. You think, oh, if I have more money, but I will tell you the richest people in the world are using Google spreadsheets. That's it. Like there's no secret weapon to that. And here's the interesting fact for our podcast, win the hour, win the day podcast. We had it. So every week we put up, oh, here's a new podcast. And we had it. So we put up a graphic, you know, my polished little cover from the iTunes. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the day after what we would do is we would take a selfie. Like if I was interviewing you, we would have had a selfie before we did it. And I would then say something fun the next day about the interview. Well, by measuring, we found out the pictures of me with the guests that were selfie and more just raw and unfinished did way better than my graphic cover that we put so much work in. And we're like, okay, all right, <laughs> what's going on here? So we had to stop. To, I'm like, but look how nice it looks, right? And yeah. they're like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So had we not measured that, I would have said, hands down, there's our brand. It's polished looking. We got a graphic designer doing it. This is perfect. But no, it was like significant. Like one week when we had Kevin Harrington, one of the original sharks from Shark Tank, we, we had like, it was like tw 20, I don't know. It was like, let's say we had uh, 120 comments or something like that. We had 10 or 15 on the cover. And then the one of me and him and the selfie just on a computer screen, it was like, it was literally 10, 20 times more. It was unbelievable. Oh my God. That's crazy. This yeah, is on Facebook. In, yes. Yeah. It was just the difference between a polished cover graphic and then my uh, ugly mug on a, you know, on a picture. But if we'd not measured it, didn't have that system, mm. I would have been putting that cover out everywhere all day long. But it was back, the system is huge, but the team implements the system, right? Mm -hmm. But you're right, you can have a team and not have systems, and then you're all just running around cursing each other. Yeah. Okay, I think I can talk about these systems all day, but I really want to talk about other points in your book. Okay. And one of my favorites was that, because you talk about strugglers versus successful people. Yeah. And successful people have powerful habits that are supported by a routine. Okay. Because yeah. you can't always rely on discipline. Can no. you, can you go into more detail about what that means to you? Well, first of all, kudos to you for doing your homework. Cause I can't tell you how many people have interviewed me that didn't read the book. So anyhow, <laughs> good job there. Your mother should be proud. So what I would tell you is the brain is wired that it fatigues you when you try to rely on discipline. 
Discipline mm-hmm. is not the answer. And that's one of the other misnomers out there about being an entrepreneur. You got to be disciplined. You got to do this. You got to, that is not the case that will not serve you. There is so many studies to show that it's in fact like having your phone when you've got a bunch of apps open, it just burns your battery down quicker, right? So discipline is not the answer at all. You need to be leaning into routines that work for you. And when they work for you, then you're like, oh, you know, you need to do that because it works. And you see the fallout when you don't do it. That's just cause and effect. But when you white knuckle it and say, okay, I got to lean in and be more disciplined about that. I would tell you, if you're trying to be disciplined about it, you just don't have the right infrastructure in play. You don't have anyone supporting you. You don't have any help. You're not in your zone of genius. You're running around jack of all trades, trying to learn things and do things and relying on discipline. And you're just putting the wrong energy into the wrong things. So if discipline is something you're relying on, then it is a result of a bunch of other missteps that you're making. Can you give us an example of how, let's say I can be more disciplined? I don't or believe you. not disciplined, apologies. How I can have a better routine that helps me be more productive. Okay, so here's an example. The brain, some people will argue that, oh no, I'm better as a night owl and all this other stuff. And I will tell you, you think that, that's a psychological effect because you think, oh, at night when the phone stops ringing and whatever, the kids are in bed or I, like you, you have some emotional relief that you can hide and do work and you think you're more productive. Mm-hmm. But the brain is best in the morning. And now, not after a couple of years of being an entrepreneur, you think you're going to throw up all the time, you're so tired. But <laughs> when you're doing this correctly, you should start work refreshed and leave fresh. And your best opportunity is in the morning. So what I would tell you is the first hour, you should be doing stuff that needs the most creativity or the most focus. All right. None of this eat the frog and do the hard stuff first. You shouldn't have hard stuff on your calendar. That's, that could be delegated. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. So what happens is you do the stuff that requires the most brain power. So for example, when I was writing my book, When the Hour, When the Day, or when I was working on the content for the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs, I would get up after my workout, but my first hour uh, at my desk, before I checked emails or anything like that, it was working on the content for say the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Then it's freshest. And then I can answer emails at 11 o'clock or later in the day when I start getting tired, I can do that with my eyes closed. So I do the repetitive work later in the day, but the stuff that will eat up my battery power and I need to be focused and clear and just really fresh, that's the stuff you do the first hour. The first hour. And then it's done because otherwise it's also this stress and distraction of all day long. Of, oh, once I get this done, I'll work on, you know, the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs. Oh no, that happened. Oh, I have a meeting. Oh, somebody has a crisis. Oh, and then it keeps moving down the day. And it's mm-hmm. just this thing over your head and that wears your battery down as well. So do it first, whatever it is. And then you proceed with the busy work of the day. I want to, I want to tell you um, a quote from your book. It's also one of my favorites. It says, don't confuse activity with efficiency. Yes. I felt like that was like a slap across the face. It was just like, hello. (laughs) 
just because you're busy doesn't mean you're being efficient. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that for a long time because I got a lot of stuff done and I was the go-to person for a lot of people in my personal life. And I got a lot of work done in the day mm -hmm. and I was perceived to be organized, which I thought was, you know, the answer to everything. I'm a very organized person. But I will tell you, being organized actually can be a deficit because all I did was reorganize stuff. So it's like twisting the screw tighter and tighter. It mm -hmm. wasn't a new system. It was just reorganizing stuff, right? So I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so busy and I get so much done that if I'm not getting it done, it just means there's far too much work. But it was just, I was confusing, you know, activity with efficiency. It's like, oh, look at me. I'm running around and juggling two, three things at once and talking and barking at people and trying to go, go, go. And that wasn't effective. And I had to learn to slow down. I know you think I did not by the rate of my speech, but I do have the disorder of speaking quickly, especially when I'm on a podcast and I want to say all these things. <laughs> but, but I did learn to slow down. And all my clients will say to me too, this is nuts how much slower I work, how much more free time I have off, and yet I get so much more done. And that how hard I was working all those years, working against myself, like it's crazy. So that's a big mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make. Do you have maybe a list of metrics or any metrics that you can mention so that people know that they're being efficient as opposed to just working on activity or vice versa? Well, the metrics is a broad sweeping answer because I would need to know like the, you know, the metrics of like, what they're doing with their day. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Because you, you said that you were just busy. You always yes. had things to do. You had a lot right. of things to do. Right. So okay. I feel like a lot of people think that they have a lot of things to do. Yes. Okay. That's a good answer. I think what happens then, uh, that's a great question. I think what happens is you get caught up in working off a to-do list, which creates activity, but not efficiency. And a to-do list is spectacular. If you're looking to stress yourself out or have never ending stress and not get things done. So in when the hour, when the day we talk about the calendar and I talk about that is your time bank account. And so many people will say to me, well, I do that every day. I don't need to put it on my calendar. And I say, well, that's like saying, Hmm, I have a car payment every month. Don't worry about it. I know it comes out every month. So I don't count it, but the money's gone. Mm -hmm. So what happens is when you lay out your calendar one hour at a time and not anything crazy and all this micro 20 minutes, don't make filling out the calendar, a new busy work. But what I'm saying is if you plan your time realistically and say, okay, I'm working on my outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs from nine to 10, from 10 to whatever, I'm doing this. I've got a lunch break and I've got two spots in the day where I spend a half hour in the morning and afternoon on email. If it takes longer than that, then we have a different problem there. So what happens is when I started using my calendar as a time bank account, that's when I said, well, my God, no wonder I'm tired. Like, this is crazy. I would go in Monday morning hand, you know, to do list in hand thinking, oh, for some reason I thought Monday mornings were like, I don't know, 18 hour days and I could get so much done. But I had no idea when I was derailed. Like all I didn't know at two o'clock in the afternoon, just by all this craziness and busyness, you know, I had no idea of like the, the next thing on my to-do list was it 20 minutes, two hours or two days. I was just, you know, rushing, rushing, rushing. So if you use your calendar as a time bank account which the most successful people in the world will tell you, you can tell everything about a business and an entrepreneur by looking at their calendar. You look at their calendar, the answers are there. It's kind of like a health person, a nutritionist or fitness person saying, let me see your fridge. Ah, okay. I got you. Right. <laughs> that's all I have to see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's a pretty good metric. So 
just making sure that you're scheduling the right amount of time in your calendar so that you don't have 45 things to do in one day. Scheduling anything. Too many people do not schedule and use their calendar as a time bank account. They go off a list or just try to waste time. So putting stuff down. When you start filling out the day and saying, well, okay. And then it gives you focus. Like, okay, listen. So here's a quick example. When I wrote the book, When the Hour, When the Day, I needed to have it to the editors by June or she couldn't do it until September. Great. Okay. I did the math. Working backwards, I realized in order to do that, I had to do five pages a day, Monday to Friday. Now, the old me would have been like, oh, some days I just felt like I didn't have five pages in me. But I would have been like, oh, I'm kind of tired. Oh, I was up late last night because of whatever. And then I'd be like, you know what? Tomorrow I'll feel better. So I'll just really crank it out tomorrow. I'll feel fresh. This makes sense. Oh yeah, let's do that. But when you break it down and use your calendar, I realized on Monday, if I didn't have five pages in me, I didn't have 10 in me tomorrow, right? So it woke mm -hmm. me up really quickly. Like, oh, you don't feel like it today? You're not going to feel like 15 pages on Wednesday. If you can't do five, you can't do 15. So that really sobered me up and kept me on track. Not to say that sometimes I didn't feel like crying at my computer, like, it'll never be done. I can't get this out, please. I said to somebody on my team, I work with Evan, I'm like, Evan, if something happens to me, I'm not kidding you. If anything happens to me, I need you to finish this book. Like if I get killed, I need this book finished. Right? Please finish this book. But I was painfully aware I had to produce five pages a day. When you're not doing the math and breaking it down and working backwards like that, then you get this false sense and you just run around being busy. I could have been busy saying, oh yeah, I think I feel good. I got a bunch of pages today. But without measuring it, I would have thought, oh, I did really good this week because I got six pages and last week I got 12. Next week I get two, but when's the book coming out? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's the key. It's being realistic with, with what you need to do. And like you said, going backwards and saying, okay, if I need... 25 pages a week, I need to do those five pages every single day. Yes. And that kind of leans into the next topic I want to talk about, which is priorities. Mm -hmm. So I find no matter how aware I am of my priorities, sometimes they can get thrown around because I'm either, you know, not feeling like it or I get distracted. It happens to the best of us. Mm -hmm. So in your book, you say, regardless of the goals, all details are weighted equally. Mm -hmm. How th did you have to go through this on a personal level to realize on how you should be prioritizing your day and your goals? So the, like I gave you an example of the book. Yeah. That was, that was a priority of, okay, I want this book out in June. Then I have to mm -hmm. do that first every day. So that was a priority. And when you make the priority, like clear like that, then it was painfully obvious where I have to look myself in the eye, not like, okay, I'm going to do it at the end of the day when I have time. And then all of a sudden it's seven o'clock at night and you go, well, okay, well, you know, nobody would blame me. I'll do it tomorrow. But when you set your priority, the book is the priority and I will do it the first hour of every morning, Monday to Friday then you have to be really honest and you can't own up to any, you can't wish that there's bad weather. You can't, you know what I mean? You're like, oh my gosh, right? Like, you're like many years ago when I used to work out at night instead of the morning, you'd be like all day like, oh, is it raining? I don't think I'll get, oh, wait now, hold on. We're hoping for some bad weather here, right? Yeah. Whereas in the morning I get up and it's, that's it. I'm working out and it's done. Or I have to say, why, why today, right? Five now, five minutes into the day, do you have a good excuse for not working out? So when you are clear with your priorities, it's much more sobering. 
And if you find yourself distracted and things get thrown around, then I would argue again that you probably don't have the supports in play that mm -hmm. you need. You are being self-employed instead of being an entrepreneur. And I tell people, I mean this with all the warmth in my heart, it's like saying watching sports, sitting on the couch and saying you're an athlete because you're watching the game, but you're not in it. So I would say that the systems are not set up to protect you and guide you and that that's the problem. It's not you. Because too many people, again, go, oh my gosh, you know what? I'm not disciplined or I get distracted or whatever. The infrastructure is not set up. It's like telling somebody to go to Vegas and sit in the casino and read a book. Oh, well, why have you not got that book read? Well, things are beeping and bopping and you know there's so, so much going on and the oxygen is being pumped into the place. So it's not your fault. You're just not in the right place to read a book. I think that was like a mic drop moment. The, <laughs> you're watching the you're watching the game. You're not in it. You're not actually yes. an athlete. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, and I think just you kind of going over your priorities and you writing the book. It also made me realize that it's because you you had a deadline. Mm -hmm. And if you don't put a deadline on your priorities, oh, okay. Tell me. Okay. No, I'm <laughs> my finger. It's not the deadline because people, this is what makes me cranky. Mm -hmm. People will say, have a goal, make a deadline. So you can have a goal, but without a plan, it's not a goal. Like, oh, I want to have my book. Let's say the biggest mistake people say is, okay, I want to have my book out by the summer. Or they say, I want to have my book out by June. Okay, great. So, but what's the plan? So I talk about working backwards. We do this in our personal life. Like you have to be at the dentist Thursday morning, 11. Doesn't matter how much it costs, how much you don't want to go. You go, okay to be there at 11 and traffic's bad, I have to leave at 10. So then, and all of a sudden you do the math that you have to get up at 7.30 to be at the dentist at 11, right? So you work backwards. Everybody does that all the time. But in business, we just say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It's my new thing, or I got a new client. And all your focus goes on that until you neglect other clients or other things fall to the wayside and it's just rotating stress. But where I said, okay, I want the book done, do the math, boom, boom, boom. I did the math. All of a sudden it had to be five pages per day. That was a plan. But too many people have goals and deadlines, but what, is a, what does a deadline mean when you don't have a plan or a strategy? Mm -hmm. So it's having the strategy to work backwards because then it's really sobering when you go, oh, like that's the thing. Oh, I got this new project for a client and you don't know when you're off rail. So I knew some weeks that let's say I caught a cold. I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed two days last week. So now this week I have 10 extra pages. Where before it would be like, oh, I was doing really good for a while, but then I caught a cold and that week I had the cold and then I recovered from the cold and then it was spring and all of a sudden I missed a month. Whereas when I broke it down, I knew really painfully quickly on Monday because I had a cold, I lost 10 pages. I got to make that up. So I worked backwards with a plan versus if I just had the deadline, I'd be like, oh, I'm still doing really good. Look at me. Oh, I missed two weeks because I had a cold, but no big deal. It'll all work out, right? Mm -hmm. So having the working backwards is more important than having the deadline. It's part of, it's a missing piece to that deadline. I like that. I think that clarifies everything and brings everything yeah. together. If, if you just wanted the audience to take away one thing from our conversation about entrepreneurship, efficiencies, systems, everything that we talked about, what do you think is the most important thing? I think that your business should support your life and not consume it. And if you are doing this by yourself, you are self-employed and it's very expensive and it was cheaper for you to have a job, no overhead, no stress. And you made more money per hour than you are right now. And it is not your fault. Like you're in isolation. You think, Oh, it's, you know, if I only get this, if I only get that, cause you don't have any direct comparison or you see somebody further up the mountain than you, 
you know, you look at them on social media, you think, oh, they're doing really well. Well, they started like six years before you, or probably most times they have a team and that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And a team, again, can be two people for 20 bucks a week, that kind of deal. So it's just that it's not your fault. This is meant to be fun and that your business should support your life, not consume it. You should not have to give up life for your dreams. I love that message. And just before ending this conversation, I ask every single one of my guests this question. This podcast is called the No Formula Podcast because there is no single formula to success. So if you had to tell me what your formula was that got you to where you are today, what would it be? It would be hands, hands down when I hired that outsourcer for $12, that was the beginning of changing my life. And if I had not done that, when my husband got sick, I would have really, I don't know where I would have been. Um, it, it would have made that journey with him. I would not have been able to give him the attention he needed. I would have been stressed out. It would have just been horrible. So I was able to have a business that supported my life because I started a team and, and the team is, you know, even to this day, I have three people that work with me. That sounds very, team sounds very robust, but it's not, you can have a team or a free student and you could be paying like as, as much as you spend on a week in a co on coffee to have supports that it will pay for itself. And then you've got more time and it just, it totally pays for itself and moves you forward. Otherwise you're just like trying to swim in the ocean with a sack of potatoes on your back. <laughs> That's a great answer, Chris. Well, thank you so much for being here on the No Formula podcast and sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you for having me and trusting me with your audience. Thank you so much.